Hello and welcome to Raw Chatter, the stuff that matters. It's Vicky Midwood here, the alcohol addiction and disordered eating eliminator. And thank you if this is the first time you were joining me here on my Raw Chatter podcast. Today I'm actually sharing with you a training that I did on food, feelings, alcohol and anxiety. So it's a little bit longer than my normal podcasts and this is just an introduction so if you just hold on tight the main body is going to last for about 38 minutes and if you do have any questions and you want to contact me I would love you to do that. I am on LinkedIn as Vicky Midwood and Facebook as Vicky Midwood and the Alcohol Addiction and Disordered Eating Eliminator. Enjoy the podcast and I would love to speak to you soon. Good morning, folks. So hopefully, if all is working correctly, I am going live on StreamYard via Facebook and LinkedIn and my wonderful group, Lifestyle is Health. So I am live, folks. I am not sure when I actually do this presentation whether I can see your comments. So if you have got comments or questions and it would appear that I'm ignoring them, it's because I can't see them. I actually got my, my phone on. Um, so I'm hoping that if there are people who are going to make comments um, in my group, then those will show up and I will be able to see them on my phone. But we will wait and see. Um, technical things I'm learning, so bear with. Uh, and this is why you're here, I hope, uh, to learn something that perhaps you didn't already know. So I am going to use a slideshow. I've never done this on LinkedIn before, so I hope it goes down well. It, it is recorded on YouTube and it is gonna be, as I say, available in my group, so you can always rewatch it. Uh, so off we go. This is uh, the presentation that I did for Chelmsford Business Group and it's a presentation that I have also done as a webinar, but I know a lot of you couldn't make it, which is why I decided to do it here. So let me make the presentation a little bit bigger. And as I say, I'm not sure that you can see me while I'm doing it or not, but it doesn't really matter. So food, feelings, alcohol and anxiety is a look at how we kind of manage our feelings and our lives behind closed doors. So what we're going to do is I'm going to really quickly tell you a little bit about me. Obviously, if you're on LinkedIn and Facebook, you can read my story. Um, but I do now niche into helping people with alcohol and food issues, whether that's emotional eating, whether it's binge eating, bulimia or stress eating, which people have been doing a lot of through lockdown. And um, you can see there that first picture. I am actually a fitness instructor and have been for the last 30 years. That's how I got into the world of health and wellness. And um, I've been a coach for the last 15 years and only specialized in this specific area um, because I felt I finally knew enough and could really genuinely help people for the last two and a bit. And there's a picture of me and my cat there because I am an animal lover. And yes, I love cats, but to be honest, I love all animals. So let's go into this. This is an important start, folks, and I want you to bear this in mind um, sort of all the way through. How you feel and think affects the food choices that you make. The food choices that you make affect how you feel and think. So you've got a little cycle going on there. The above affects your health, your weight, your body confidence, and your total well-being. And those two first sentences are often the reason why people feel that they've got stuck in patterns because we choose certain foods and then we start to think a certain way and that will mean that then we choose 
other foods and so we can get ourselves stuck in eating too many foods that we believe or are telling ourselves we shouldn't be or drinking too much alcohol. So I've put tonight, but it's today. We're gonna to cover stress and anxiety. Just what is the difference? Is there a difference between the two? To be quite honest, in this day and age, they are intermittent terms, but technically when we talk about stress, and if you look up the definition of, of it, or look up what is the difference between the two, it will talk about stress being from external sources um, and anxiety being more about worry, and often worry about stuff that has not yet happened. So we do a lot of what ifing, or going over the past and wondering if we could have said something different, or done something different. So we we tend to, if we're very anxious, not necessarily be in the present. Whereas when we're stressed, it tends to be more current stuff that leads to that. Stress can be physical as well as emotional. The emotions that we suppress that can lead us to wanting to use food or alcohol can create all kinds of physical symptoms. And that picture there, you don't need me to read it out, you're quite capable of reading what it says on the picture, but all of those things are created by you not expressing yourself. Whether that means that you talk to somebody about how you're feeling, whether it means that you actually get it out by punching a punch bag or screaming into a pillow, whether it means you journal on it, whether it means that you meditate, whatever you choose to do to deal with your emotions, if you're not dealing with them, then these are the things that can potentially happen. And often, these are the things that we go to the doctor with for a fix, when actually it's our stress or anxiety and suppressed emotions that are creating this physical response. We can also get some serious gut issues going on. And for a lot of people, anxiety and stress can go one of two ways. Or depending on what the stress or anxiety is, we can have an increased appetite or a decreased appetite. And I'm sure over your lifetime you'll have noticed that there are some situations where you just feel like you want to hoover up everything in sight. And there's other situations where you feel that, you know what, I can't. I can't even face food. And I'm sure we've been there at some point in our lives, but that is actually going to affect how our gut functions. Now, some of you know this and some of you don't, but we have got what we class as a second brain in our gut. Um, and there's a massive connection between your gut and your brain. We've got something called the enteric nervous system. So your gut's actually got its own nervous system. Um, and that's got actually more nerves in it than your spinal cord and your peripheral nervous system put together. So that means that what is going on in your tummy in terms of the messages that are getting through to your brain is pretty damn powerful. And there is this two-way conversation going on often much more talking from the gut to the brain than the other way around. Now, I'm talking about stress. Stress and anxiety, as I say, in today's world, they tend to be interlinked. If we got a lot of stress in our lives, then it often leads to us overthinking on things and playing stuff over in our head, which we then kind of think about as anxiety. So I am gonna put the two things together because one does tend to lead to the other. But what the stress response actually does, and, and obviously those of you know, stress is not all bad. And it does get a bad rap, right? But if, if we didn't have stress, we wouldn't get this heightened memory and attention that is actually a good thing. 
if you weren't getting yourself stressed about, uh, you know, maybe doing a presentation like this, you wouldn't necessarily be fully focused. You'd be kind of a bit, mm, if I make mistakes, well, it doesn't really matter. But if there's a bit of stress going on, you're really likely to be completely focused. What stress, though, does do is that it can decrease your serotonin, which is your happy hormone. It can also suppress your immune system. And this is where we've had this kind of dissonance going on with the whole pandemic scenario, haven't we? Because we've been feeling stressed, which actually suppresses the immune system because we've not been able to go out or we have, but with restrictions. And yet this very virus, we need a robust and strong immune system to be able to handle it. So, and, and unfortunately, if you turn into alcohol or food to, to cope with the whole pandemic scenario, you are unwittingly suppressing your immune system. And that means that when we are back out in the world fully, those people who were absolutely hammering things um, will have unfortunately compromised your immune system, which doesn't mean that you're more likely to necessarily get the virus, but you will potentially pick up other things that have not gone away, that were still there before we went into lockdown. It's also going to affect your adrenal glands because as you know, that stress response, cortisol is released, but so is adrenaline or noradrenaline and norepinephrine are also released. And those things are going to affect your adrenal function, which potentially then will affect your thyroid and make you feel low in energy and low in mood often. So when we're looking at anxiety, and, and again, I'm going to kind of put these two things together, we can look at, you know, the, the pluses and the minuses of it. You know yourself how you are when you're anxious. And for a lot of people, anxiety doesn't necessarily come out as, as kind of sitting and kind of worrying about stuff and biting your fingernails. It can do, but often it can be that you manage your stress and anxiety by always wanting to help other people, by needing to be busy, by taking on lots of responsibility and, and doing stuff for everybody. Because the more you're doing, the less you have to kind of overthink things, which is a protection mechanism. So it kind of makes sense that that's what you do. On the other hand, if you are a person who gets paralyzed by anxiety and stress, then you kind of feel that it's a struggle to do stuff and you're quite happy to let other people take the lead. You kind of ask advice and you're always a little bit uncertain about making up your own mind, which means that you avoid responsibility and that in itself creates more anxiety. And we don't know that we're doing this stuff because it's not happening consciously. It's happening in that unconscious part of your brain, which we know is leading to those thoughts that will make you turn to certain foods that will make you feel better. And they will. And these are the foods that we turn to, right? And we don't tend to turn to nuts and seeds and, and fruits. I mean, some people do, and I have actually done presentations where people have told me that, that's, that, that they overeat on carrots and cauliflower, but for the majority of us, that is not the case. We tend to turn to alcohol. We tend to turn to sweet, sugary foods that have got a kind of a nice texture that you can chew, or we turn to salty, crunchy, fatty foods, things like crisps. Pizza hits the lot, it's got the dough, 
which is that comforting mouthfeel. It's got the fat, it's got the salt in the cheese, right? And it just helps you to feel better. And it works, we're not stupid, right? We wouldn't do this stuff if it didn't actually work. It does, it gives you a dopamine hit and it does make you feel better, but temporarily. The problem is that it's going to affect your blood sugar balance. It's going to affect your hormones for sure. And I'm not going to go massively into hormones. That's a whole other presentation that I will be doing um, on hormones and blood sugar and all that good stuff. As I said earlier, it will affect your adrenals. It will affect your thyroids. And I'm afraid it will affect your short-term memory. And again, I'm not going to go off on a tangent. <laughs> Those of you who've done my lives know I have a tendency to go off on tangents. But what I am going to say is that we now know that there's a ton of research that links our sugar intake um, with what is going on in our brain and with Alzheimer's. Um, and it definitely does affect our short-term memory. There's been a number of very interesting research papers on testing this out. And uh, yeah, the, the, the information is there. PubMed is always good if you want to find out about research papers and, and stuff that's been done. The other thing that those foods and alcohol are really going to affect, and some of you will know this, but some of you might not, is that they will massively affect your gut bacteria. Now, there's been a lot of talk all over social media and in, in the normal media as well about the gut microbiome, which is great because when I started talking about this stuff 10, 12 years ago, people thought I was talking woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> but your gut microbiome we know is massively important and again there's been there's a ton of research on this stuff we know that the gut microbiome will absolutely affect whether you have something like ADHD or or you will be affected by all kinds of other things later on in life and unfortunately the gut bacteria is the thing that is actually going to drive anxiety for some of us and cravings too we want the good and the bad. So we don't just want all good, right? And we don't just want all bad. We need a combination, we need a balance. And for those of you who are health practitioners on here, and for those of you just genuinely interested in how the body works, you know that your body likes balance. It likes to stay in something called homeostasis. And it tries to do that with your blood sugar levels, and it tries to do that with your temperature, um, it, your heart rate, and all that kind of stuff. It's all ruled by something called your circadian rhythm, which is really all about keeping things in balance, right, internally, and hopefully that will then show externally, because we'll be balanced human beings. But when that gut bacteria is out of balance, it will affect your mood, it will affect the foods that you want to choose, and crucially, it will affect your neurotransmitters, that nervous system function. And this is not always something that people realize, but if somebody says to me, oh, I've always been anxious, I've always been this, then there's two things that I would look at. One would be any genetic SNPs, and two would be what is going on with your gut bacteria because your gut bacteria affects your mood and your cravings, as I've said. And these are the things that you're gonna go for. It's gonna be salty, it's gonna be sweet, it's gonna be flowery, and it's gonna be fatty. And it's not your fault. This is the key, right? It is not your fault. Because as I said, the bacteria will affect the messages that the brain is telling. That's the second brain in your gut to the brain in your head. 
Now, again, some of you know this, some of you don't, but we know now that the neurotransmitters that many years ago we thought were made in the, in the brain are not. They're actually made in the gut. And that includes your dopamine and your serotonin, which are the ones most people have that know about, but also things like your GABA, your acetylcholine. So the neurotransmitters, the brain, the hormones, the organs, the glands, so I'm talking about your liver and your gallbladder, and then how your, work, your heart is working, as well as the glands, your thyroid and your adrenals that I've all mentioned, they're all going to be affected by your gut bacteria. And it isn't your fault. It's not about willpower if you're turning to these foods, because the bacteria are going to be pushing you to want to eat more of them salty sweet flowery fatty and alcoholic they tick the boxes now what happens is the more of these foods that you eat the more of those bacteria that like those foods will proliferate because that's what bacteria do they grow well you've seen it on an apple in your fruit bowl that maybe you've left there for a bit too long that bacteria starts to grow and the more of that bacteria you have in there and the more it begins to grow the louder it's going to shout for more of the same foods. And this is why when I'm working with people to try and shift the balance, it's not about trying to cut things out. That's way too hard, not because of willpower, but because those gut bacteria, you'll be starving them. And if you're not feeding them what they want, they will shout louder and louder. And you'll blame your willpower which will then make you feel more stressed. And guess what? The more stressed you feel, the more you're gonna get that hormone response that is gonna make you want to turn to those foods because it will give you a dopamine hit. And you can see why you unwittingly have created this cascade that it's not willpower. It's to do with what's going on internally. The problem is we don't know that, and so what we can often do then is decide that we're gonna restrict ourselves, cut out whole food groups, which means you're setting yourself up to probably binge on alcohol or on food or both. It may be that you decide that you're gonna somehow compensate by the fact that perhaps you've overdone it with too much exercise. And again, not everybody knows, but too much of the wrong type of exercise will create more stress. And that stress response will reduce your serotonin, your happy hormones, and your brain will say, hey, go and eat a muffin because you've earned it, or go and have a, a, a milky, sweet, flavored, I don't know, coffee, whatever they are with so many different names now. The point is this, it is not your fault, folks, and the more you focus on restricting by maybe counting calories or macros or overdoing it or fasting and getting your blood sugars even more out of kilter, the more you are setting yourself up unwittingly for anxiety and then to soothe that anxiety or numb it with food or with alcohol. And this is just a little picture of, of kind of what goes on. Alcohol and sugar is basically the same thing. We know that, that the body needs to utilize alcohol before anything else because it sees it as a toxin. And so it wants to use the energy from alcohol before it utilizes everything else, but it will still have an effect, a massive effect on your gut lining and on your gut bacteria. And that sugar cycle, I think most of you are aware of, your blood sugar levels will spike when you eat the foods that you crave, and then you'll get a massive drop because insulin comes in, and we get that drop in, in sugar. We think that we're hungry or that we're craving, so we pick up something that works fast 
which tends to be more of the same foods. And off we go on this crazy, crazy roller coaster, which then affects your mood, your attention span, your focus, your memory, crucially, your energy. And all of that can lead you to trying to work harder, push yourself through, or to just feeling not good enough both of which create more stress. Now, it all sounds doom and gloom, doesn't it? <laughs> you can't get in, out of this cycle, but you can, right? Um, so, you know, this is where a lot of people are a lot of the time with anxiety from over-drinking, overeating, guilt, oh, I've done it again, brain fog, I don't feel great. And the more you stay in this, the harder it feels to, to get out of it, which makes sense. You feel helpless, you feel hopeless and you feel anxious. And you repeat the patterns. Because you feel like that, oh, that seems a good idea to just chill out and open a bottle of wine. Yeah. And you kind of know, but knowing is not enough. You know that this stuff is not helping you. And yet you don't really know what else to do because in that moment, it does work. And I want you to know that it is not your fault, folks. Bliss Factor is something that I want to mention. And uh, some of you, you might have seen it. Uh, there was a TV program, uh, documentary style, uh, called What Are We Feeding Our Kids? And they talked about the Bliss Factor on there. Now, again, this is nothing new. This is something that I've been talking about for the last 15 plus, actually probably more than that. When I first started out as a fitness instructor um, and I was a bit geeky even back then, as I'm talking back in the 90s. And I was doing some research on what the hell was wrong with me because I was bulimic. And um, why? Well, I knew, I didn't know why, but I knew that once I eat, it started eating certain foods that it was literally as if somebody had flicked a switch and I could not stop. And of course I thought it was willpower, but I wanted to look into it, was it something else? And that's when I discovered, um, so way back in the 90s, that food manufacturers uh, pay food scientists to work out the exact way that we want our foods to be, to hit that bliss factor in your brain, the what that's that reward center, that dopamine hit that tells you that this is good, but to keep on eating more of it. Um, and over the years, obviously these engineers, these chemical engineers, that's what they are, food scientists, chemical engineers, they literally make it so that a crisp is just the right thickness. It, it makes just the right sound in your mouth when you bite into it. It's got just the right amount of flavoring to hit those taste buds that go, yes, I need another one. And there's a famous make of crisps that we all know, the strap line being, once you pop, you just can't stop. And that's nothing to do with willpower. So if you've ever beaten yourself up mentally about having eaten the whole tube of Pringles, and um, even if you told yourself you weren't going to, this is why. It's, it is not your fault. That is exactly how they were designed to be because then hopefully you will go out and you'll buy more, yeah? And the next time you buy more, you'll probably say, this time I'm going to control it. And guess what? You probably won't. They are, they are focused. They are absolutely honed in on getting it right. Now that's not just crisps. This is pretty much all prepackaged food, including folks, these Weight Watchers type ready meals that, that are telling you that they're calorie counted, they also are full of sweeteners, they're full of the right flavorings to keep you going back for more. They don't necessarily satisfy you from a hunger point of view, but they do from a 
hitting that brain dopamine hit. And this is why you might eat a ton of these foods and then still feel that actually you're not satisfied and, you, and you're searching for something else. It's not your fault. And I keep wanting to homing in on this because when you realize you're not broken, you don't need to be fixed, then you can give yourself a little bit of compassion, a little bit of space to get to know just what is going on for you. What are those foods that you know? Because they're not the same for everybody that you can't put down. And you know this because you've got friends who can quite happily just have one or two slices of pizza and that's and they're done. And then you've probably got other friends who have to eat the whole thing and they're just not comfortable until it's all gone, right? If you're one of those, please don't beat yourself up. So what can you do? Um, this is what I'm here to share with you, okay? So what you can do, folks, is I am doing a program called Restore. It's gonna be a 60-day online group program, and I'm not, this is not a, a hit on a, a program thing, but what you need to do, and this is the stuff, that is the important stuff, whether you do it with me on a program or, or whether you do it with somebody else, but these are the steps that you need to take to help you to shift what is going on in terms of how you're using food and how you are getting those gut bacteria to start to rebalance, but in a way that is not overwhelming and that's not gonna make you feel like you're crawling up the walls and it's too hard, because that's what gets us reverting back to old patterns. So the first thing that you need to do is look at balancing your blood sugars. So if you are somebody who is fasting because you've jumped on perhaps intermittent fasting as a, as a fix to lose some weight, I'm going to invite you to maybe check out what is happening to your blood sugar levels first to see if it actually works for you, right? There are tons of benefits, and I'm not having a go at people and saying you shouldn't do this. But for women, there are hormone issues linked to fasting. For some women, it works fantastically well. For others, it really is not a good idea. So knowing how your blood sugars are and what they are doing when you fast and when you're eating is a really good start. Breaking those habit loops. Now, that doesn't mean you stop doing something and this is the this is the misconception when it comes to breaking habits just trying to stop doing what you're doing is really really hard right if you're a smoker just stop smoking well if it was that easy you'd have done it wouldn't you right so what you need to do is make shifts um, and look at what is my current habit what is my current behavior what are the associations because oftentimes the easiest way to shift habits is to change the association and that, by default, switches the habit itself. We need to restore your gut health. So I've spoken about that. Getting the balance between the good and the bad bacteria more in balance, um, which will then, by default, help you to get your hormones back in balance. And that includes hormones that are responsible for telling your body whether to store fat or whether to make fat. It includes the hormones that are responsible for telling your body to make those serotonin and dopamine and GABA neurotransmitters. So hormone balance is not just about, you know, ladies stuff or, or about your appetite or insulin. Hormones are responsible for everything. They are messengers. They tell the body what to do. And when they are all out of balance, one affects the other. So we need to look at rebalancing all of them. You also need to look at your brain set as well as your mindset. Now, I know mindset is everywhere, right? And, and absolutely, we need to work on our mindset and shifting our thinking. But you also need to understand about shifting your brain set, rewiring 
your brain is crucial. And that's why people who work with me, I teach them brain. Because when we, when we understand how the brain actually works, again, it allows us permission. And I'm choosing my words very carefully because changing your language is crucial to brain set and mindset. So when you give yourself permission to find out how your brain actually works, then you will start to understand that it's okay for you to be kinder to yourself because your brain is just doing what your brain is designed to do. But you are not helpless. You can reset and rewire what is going on. And does that take some mindset work as well? Yes, of course it does. Self-care is crucial. Um, so a lot of people who find that they're turning to food or alcohol or both or who get really anxious also tend to be people who don't really think that self-care is, is something that they need to kind of make a big part of their day, often think that self-care is selfish. Um, and so, you know, reframing or re-looking at how you are actually taking care of yourself is crucial to you being able to reduce your anxiety, um, but also to feel much more in control of what are the things that stress you out, what's really important, what's not. And, and self-care, this is, I want to just clarify, self-care is not you going off and having manicures and having your hair done, folks. Yes, that's the nice thing to do. But self-care is the stuff that you do daily that reminds you that you are just as important as everybody else and your feelings do count. So help and support from somebody else and guidance is always better than trying to do it on your own. Can you do it on your own? Yeah, of course you can. There's a load of, of books out there. We're, one, we're in a world where we have access to everything, don't we? we? There's nothing that we can't find out on the internet, right? But it takes time. It takes time to do the research. And then you have to work out, well, well what should I do first? Knowing what to do for you first and then what to do next. So the, what steps to take and, and in the right order is absolutely crucially important to you, making this a really straightforward and actually fun process or making it much, much harder than it needs to be. And that's where help, support and guidance comes in um, because it means that you can find out just how you tick and what's going to be best for you. It's not a one size fits all, folks. So if you're jumping on programs that tell you you need to do this, this and this, you just be mindful that you probably, you probably do need to do all of those things, which is what I've said um, on that previous slide. But it may be that you do things in a slightly different order. And often you need to do things in conjunction with each other. And if you don't quite know how to do that, it can seem overwhelming. So you do need to look at things that will give you energy. So things that you give you energy are looking at your emotions, right? Your emotions are energy in motion. We need to look at the environment that we're surrounding ourselves in. So not just the four walls that you're in every day, but because that's also important, but what's in that environment, you know, chemical toxins and things that you put on your skin, but also the people that you're surrounding yourself with and what you're exposing yourself to in terms of social media, in terms of what are you watching on the TV, what... What things are fueling the thought processes that are not serving you well at the moment? Maybe we need to shift some of those. Doing the right type of exercise that will leave you feeling energized, but that will not create a stress response and have you running to food. 
We also need to look at your meal timing and your blood sugar balance. Um, and just remember the blood sugar balance, yes, to do with meal timing, but not just that. When you are stressed, when that stress response happens, and remember, you don't necessarily feel stressed to create a stress response, it will affect your blood sugar. And so knowing what happens in your body is really important, along with your sleep. Absolutely crucial. And again, sleep can be a whole other uh, training all on its own, but but sleep is massively important for the hormones for you, for resetting your brain and clearing out all of the debris. Because just like we have a lymphatic system that clears out the debris from our body, we've got a glymphatic system that clears out the debris from the brain every night. And if you're not sleeping well, then that's not going to be happening, which again will affect your mood. And again, will affect the food choices and the drink choices that you make. And as I say, movement, just movement, not exercise, but just moving and getting off your bum and not sitting down for hours at a time, changing the environment that you're in. So getting outside and going for a walk. So, so important. So that is all I have to share with you, folks. Um, for those of you who do want to connect with me, uh, I would love you to do that here on LinkedIn, here on Facebook. Um, message me. Uh, that's my email there, vicky at vickymidwood.com. You can check out some information about me on my website if you want to. Um, and if you are interested in that 60-day restore program that I spoke about, then absolutely connect with me on that. It's invitation only. It will be a group program, but you need to be absolutely ready to be fully committed to those 60 days. And we will be taking blood glucose um, and teaching you how to do that. And we will be looking at all of those things that I said. Um, so that's how I would normally uh, structure. So if I was doing that reset program one-to-one -one for 60 days, that's, that's what it would be. Your investment would be and a half grand. As a group program, literally I've slashed it in half. Um, because obviously you're not getting the one-to-one -one sessions with me, but you will be getting all of my knowledge and expertise. And you will be able to reach out to have some top-up one-to-one sessions if you want to do that as well. If you know that you are somebody, and I'm just going to stop sharing this now, if you know you are somebody who has issues with, oh, it's gone really big. Oh, it's not meant to happen. We go there we go if you are somebody who has issues uh, with alcohol and you are really really struggling um please do get in touch with me i absolutely can help you there are people who struggle with just food there are people who struggle with just alcohol what we do know when it comes to alcohol is that it absolutely has a an effect on a particular neurotransmitter called GABA, which is which is the one that helps us to feel calm, right? When your GABA is low, your anxiety is high. When we've got low serotonin and dopamine in that mix as well, it can make you feel low and anxious. And this is often why people turn to alcohol because it will make you feel better initially. But unfortunately, we can then get absolutely hooked on the habit of drinking and self-medicating with drink. And not everybody who has a habit of drinking is an addict or an alcoholic. And I just want to make that clear. But what I do want you to know and take on board is that alcohol will absolutely annihilate over time your gut lining. And that can lead to all kinds of the issues with 
heart health, your thyroid function, um, and all that sort of stuff. It will also probably have you waking up feeling anxious from the night before. Even though the story might have been, well, you need alcohol to make you sleep and it does calm you down, actually, it will end up making you more anxious. And the longer you use alcohol to help you with your stress and anxiety, the, this is where the, the craziness comes in, the more anxious you're going to feel. And that's why you feel that you have to drink more to get the same result. Um, and that is absolutely how addictions start. But, but you know, take on board that if you are in the habit of drinking regularly, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're an alcoholic. You just need to look at what is driving you. And if it is anxiety that's driving you, then you need to put the alcohol down so that we can deal with manage, managing the anxiety. And then you may find that actually you can take alcohol or leave it quite happily. And that's not the case with everybody. You know, if somebody like me who is definitely an alcoholic, I can't do that. Um, but you know, for a lot of you, please don't feel that you can't own up or admit to, you know, drinking more than you should and not feeling in control of it because you might get labelled. No, right? People people have got some knowledge will not label you as an alcoholic. So, uh, and again, if you are turning to food to cope in times of stress, that does not necessarily label you as a disordered eater. But what it does mean is that it's a flag. It's a, it's a flag to say, hey, you know what? If you keep doing this, potentially you're going to have some health issues and you're not going to feel great. So maybe look at what you're doing. So I hope that has been helpful, folks. Um, I don't know if there's any comments. I can't see that there is any comments coming up, but um, I am not quite sure how LinkedIn Live works and whether it stays in my feed for a while or whether it, it just disappears after 24 hours. I'm not sure. But it is on YouTube, um, so you will be able to revisit this if you didn't catch everything from the beginning. And it is in my group, Lifestyle is Health, where I know that it will stay in there and you can go and, and watch it there. So if you do want to get in touch, I would love to speak to you folks. You can jump on my website and make an, an appointment with me for a 15 minute chat. You just need to jump on the page that says programs. And if you go to the, the very first option um, on your, as you look at the page on your left, there's a little button at the bottom that says, let's chat, just book that one. If you absolutely know you are a binge eater and you've got issues, some serious issues that you're ready to tackle, go for the, the middle option which is a 30 minute free consultation and um, that will ask you some questions first and um, to just let me know where you're at uh, and then I can help you to know if if I'm the right person to help you or if not what perhaps you might want to try and do for yourself or go elsewhere so that's it from me folks I hope it has been interesting and I'd love to read some comments if you've got questions please do put them in here if you're watching on replay please put hashtag replay and I wish you a woohoo Wednesday whatever you get up to please take care of yourselves be well and I will speak to you very soon